Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I am looking forward to settling in tomorrow night and watching the first round of the NFL draft. It is good TV. It's good drama. It doesn't seem like it should be, right? You know, a dude reading off some names off a list. It seems like this is a meeting that could have been an email in some respects, and yet the actual drama of watching it unfold is really unparalleled. I, I enjoy the the good TV that the NFL draft provides each and every year. And when I watch the NFL draft, there are really two things that I root for. One of those is going to be obvious to you, and one of them is probably a little bit less so. The thing that's obvious to you, and it is indeed true, I obviously root for Georgia guys to do well in this NFL draft for two reasons. First of all, because it's a really cool thing to watch the way in which they grow up before your eyes during their time at Georgia. And most of these guys are well known to us by like their sophomore, junior year of high school. And then, you know, you see them kind of physically mature and show up at UGA and, you know, the way in which they transform their bodies and they produce and they get a chance to go on and fulfill a lifelong dream, childhood dream by playing in the NFL. That's just really cool to see. And let's face it here. I am nothing if not honest. At least I try to be. There is a great commercial opportunity for Georgia anytime that Georgia players are talked about in positive ways in a draft situation like that. When a guy comes through UGA and advances onto the NFL, it just increases the chances that other big-time recruits will follow in those same footsteps, and eventually they themselves will do the kind of same thing. So you're not surprised to hear me say that's one of the big things that I root for come draft time. However, something else that I root for come draft time, and I briefly, I believe, alluded to this on the show yesterday, Uh, This may be less obvious, but equally true for me. I root for the draft as a reward system for players who played well in college. There's nothing that's more frustrating to me. And by the way, some of these guys turn out to sometimes be good in the NFL. It's not a hard and fast rule that you have to have been good in college to be good in the NFL. Sometimes the sort of more project-based picks end up doing you know really well, like Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, as for instance. This is a guy that I didn't think was very good at Wyoming he didn't seem to have very many stats at all and lo and behold he's one of the upper tier quarterbacks in the AFC right now so not every player who's good in the NFL proved that by being really good in college but I do like because I love college football you know I like all kinds of football but the brand that's played on Saturdays college football will kind of always be my favorite so therefore it just feels right to me it feels good to me when the NFL draft rewards guys who had big performances in their college career. And so with that in mind, some of the stuff that is being said about Georgia guys right now ahead of the upcoming NFL draft kind of scratches me in both places on that. It's both potentially a good commercial for UGA, but it's also, to me, the right kind of incentive-based system. We ought to be talking about guys this time of year who did it for multiple years at a high level in college. It just seems right when those are the guys who are potentially about to be rewarded. So with that in mind, let me talk about a couple of UGA players here for a moment who have earned just a little bit of buzz ahead of the upcoming NFL draft. I thought that Charles Davis, the analyst that you see on Fox TV on NFL Sundays, had an interesting column up at NFL.com talking about the players players, and I like this phrase, I think he said that he would pound the table for, I'm not going to actually pound the table here because it sounds funny in the microphone when I do, but the guys that he would pound the table for in terms of drafting, he had a long list, they're not all first round picks, they're guys that are kind of stretched and spread all over the map here, and one of the guys that he mentioned was former Georgia safety Richard, uh, Richard LeCount. I thought that Charles Davis' assessment of LeCount was a good one. And as I said before, it makes me feel good both from the standpoint of a former UGA guy getting some praise, but also a guy getting honored for what he did on the field during his college career. Let me read just a brief snippet of this. This is Charles Davis, NFL.com, who says that Richard LeCount has spent his time in school covering elite talents from the likes of Alabama, LSU, and Florida. He's held up well against top competition. LeCount might not be drafted until day three, but I think he's really a good football player. At the end of the day, he makes plays. That is Charles Davis from NFL.com, and it echoes something similar to what we had yesterday from Daniel Jeremiah from the uh, press conference he had done. I read to you from the AJC uh, on that Atlanta Journal-Constitution when it comes to Richard LeCount. 
But isn't that what you kind of want to be true? That for LeCount, who had the unfortunate circumstances, and you know he played a role in this himself, but nonetheless, unfortunate circumstances that led him to uh, be involved in a motorcycle accident that took him off the field for the end of his uh, college career, and it probably hampered greatly his ability to put the best of himself on display for Georgia's Pro Day. But what Charles Davis here from the NFL.com is saying can we go back and look at what he actually did over the course of four years and the high level that he played for Georgia in 2017 and 18 and 19 and 2020? Can we go back and look at that when it comes to Richard LeCount? And obviously, that is what I hope we're able to do because I think that's the way that all these draft prospects ought to be evaluated. What they do on a game film on a Saturday, more important than what they do on a Tuesday. It's some kind of pro day or anything like that or whatever day of the week the pro day happens to be on. So I like Charles Davis' assessment there of Richard LeCount that given the current value that's out there for him, and by the way, Jeremiah said, hey, don't be so quick to assume that that value for LeCount is currently back into the draft, that because of what he did on those college football Saturday year after year after year, he actually may be a little more prominently in the draft discussion than you might realize. I certainly hope that's the case. I think that would be a nice way for LeCount's time at UGA to be punctuated with being drafted and you know being a big part of some team's NFL draft future. But it's not just LeCount that I want to talk about in regards to all this today. I thought that Chip Patterson at CBSSports.com also had a very interesting column recently around the same theme of what I'm talking about right now. You know, forget the pro days and forget the NFL scouts, what they think they see in this guy and that guy, whatever else. Forget all of that. What if we just drafted guys on the basis of their college career? What if we just did that and we didn't worry about anything else? And obviously, if you just looked at that, then the overall you know order in which guys would be taken would potentially be quite different than it's actually going to be on Thursday night. As a, for instance, you know you see it commonly mentioned that someone like Mac Jones may go third overall, possibly the San Francisco 49ers. That's at least a possibility here. But for Jones, that's on the basis of a fairly small sample size, a pandemic influence season shorter year than before are we really sure on the basis of just that brief window of football that 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 Mac Jones is really the third player available in this upcoming NFL draft whereas you know uh Chip Patterson cbsports.com says that if you actually did it you know the way that you would do it if you only looked at college careers someone like Justin Fields might go second overall on the basis of the fact that he did it for multiple years at Ohio State he actually has Fields being drafted right behind uh, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence which is kind of an interesting way of looking at it but what you care about is where the Georgia guy shows up on this and according to Chip Patterson from CBS Sports that if you drafted guys simply on the basis of what they did during their college careers then he would have Aziz Ojolari going 15th overall and what Chip Patterson who I think is a good writer He's a friend of the show, been a guest on this program many times before. But what Chip Patterson says about Aziz Ojolari here is exactly the kind of commercial that you want to get for your program on draft night. Let me read this to you from Chip Patterson, who says that Ojolari was the SEC leader in tackles for loss and sacks in 2020, and he took a huge jump from his redshirt 2018 season to emerge on the other side of 2019 as one of the Bulldogs' best players in any position. Chip Patterson from CBS Sports goes on to say that he changed quickly from a top 150 type kind of player, meaning kind of a four-star recruit, not a five-star guy, but somewhere in that kind of, you know, uh, top 150 recruit level to now being a uh, potential first round pick. And listen, that is exactly what you want on draft night. And in addition to the fact that you root for Ojolari to do well, we all understand that. For those of us that care about Georgia and want to see Georgia do well, that want to see other guys kind of follow in that footsteps. If Georgia can tell that story up, here's a guy who came into us as a four-star who was injured for the first year that he was on campus here at UGA, and lo and behold, look the way that he leaves this program as the SEC you know, leader in sacks the final year, tackles for loss his final year, and now a first-round pick of the Baltimore Ravens or the whomever else, you know, fill in the blank there on that. That's an incredible story. Now, we said this yesterday, and honesty compels you to admit that it is not a given right now that Ojolari will definitely be taken in the first round. You see him projected anywhere from, like, say, around 25 to about 35. So it's either back into the first round, front into the second round. And that doesn't change who Ojolari is as a player. He's a valuable pick for whichever team gets him in all likelihood. But it does change the way in which George is able to sell this. There is just more prestige, more cachet associated with being a first-round pick. And because of the reasons that Ojolari was the way he was just described there by the CBS Sports 
sports writer, it's a big, big chance for Georgia. So you better believe when I tune in on Thursday, selfishly, I am watching to see how many times the name of Georgia is called in that first round. Is it for Ojolari? Is it one of the cornerbacks, a Tyson Campbell or an Eric Stokes that sneaks in there to that discussion? If it is, it's a big chance for Georgia to put a big brand on display in the recruiting success that Georgia has enjoyed in recent years. There could be a whole lot more of that to come in future years based on what happens on Thursday night. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast uh, for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, and as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. Just really glad to have you with us. And a big thanks to our friends at Harris Cherokee Casino Resort for making it all possible. You know, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, whether you're talking about the original property or the Harris Cherokee Valley River, both just a two hour drive from Atlanta, the beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. The weather is beautiful up there this time of year, and it's a great getaway for you. Take advantage of the socially distant gaming floor that's designed with your health and safety in mind, or the delicious gourmet restaurants, the world class shopping, the uh, luxurious spa, and don't forget, sports gaming is now available at the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties. The book is open, so you want to get action done on the NFL draft or some of the baseball stuff, or as you head towards NBA playoffs and everything else, the place to do all of that is Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. You can get involved with that today. In fact, let me give you a website to go to to find out even more about all of this. It's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. A lot more entertainment options coming back uh, here this summer. You want to be well-versed in all of that as it goes down. Plus, you can become a Caesars Rewards member as well. So website, once again, Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee for a lot more information on that. All right, we're going to get Mike Griffith here in a moment. Before we do that, though, here on our program, let's go around the doghouse here today. And I want to keep the kind of draft conversation going on the basis of some of the chatter that's out there right now is. But actually, I kind of want to do a slightly different spin on this. I want to look ahead now to the 2022 draft, the one that will happen a year from now, on the basis of something that's been written at ESPN.com. As you know, ESPN kind of has its way too early top 25 for the upcoming season. And eventually way too early just sort of transitions to a preseason top 25 because after a while we're not way too early anymore. I would suggest we're kind of in that frame now where it's not really quite so early. It's just preseason now. And so for the preseason top 25 that's up at ESPN.com, they'll occasionally attach little blurbs to each of those teams. And one of the recent articles there looked at of the current roster, who's the most intriguing prospect for next year's NFL draft. And for Georgia, the name that was mentioned was wide receiver George Pickens. Now, our buddy Connie, Connor Riley had a story up about this at dognation.com. You can read about that from Connor. But I wanted to read you a little bit of what Alex Scarborough said at ESPN.com about the future draft prospects a year from now for George Pickens, assuming he leaves George after what would be his junior season. This is Alex Scarborough on George Pickens. He says, if he's healthy, which is obviously the big if when it comes to Pickens, he's one of the most talented pass catchers in college football with high-end speed and plenty of leaping ability. That, Alex Scarborough from ESPN. No one denies the the ability of George Pickens and how dynamic he is, and y'all know I'm a huge fan of George Pickens. I would love nothing more than to see Pickens celebrated as a big-time first-round pick next year. But here is where, and we did this some yesterday, and this is where I think you have to be candid about this kind of stuff. For Georgia this upcoming season, given the fact that Pickens is coming back from injury, I certainly don't think you want to end the year with Pickens being far and away Georgia's most intriguing draft prospect because there are going to be some questions about the injury things like that there are other players in this Georgia roster even if Pickens does eventually come back this season there are other players on this Georgia roster that ought to be more intriguing draft prospects by the time the season is done if Georgia is going to truly be the national championship level contender that we think it can be and actually you know win a trophy like that at the end of the season this is one of the cool things about college football right now that the individual goals of players who come to a place like UGA in the hopes that they will be an intriguing draft prospect by the time their careers are done, those individual goals right now are very closely aligned with team goals. Look at Alabama this year. The reigning national champion may have at least five first-round picks. They have a chance of maybe even having six. 
You just see that over and over again. The teams that are winning championships, the teams that are competing for championships are having multiples of first-round picks. For Georgia, that kind of big explosion in the draft really hasn't happened yet. They did have two offensive linemen taken in the first round of last year's draft, and DeAndre Swift was obviously taken you know, in the uh, second round. And so you know, that's kind of getting the direction you want to be. But the idea of having three and four guys taken in the first round of an NFL draft from a Kirby Smart roster, we haven't quite seen that happen for Georgia as of yet. But if Georgia's going to win a national championship, it eventually needs to happen. I mean, that's the way that you keep the recruiting pipeline going. And frankly, that's the byproduct that comes from having as much success on the field as you're supposed to have. So the bottom line here for me is, and I say this as someone who obviously loves George Pickens, that I hope that Pickens is an intriguing draft prospect next year. I hope that he overcomes his injury and he's talked about as the first-round pick that I believe he should be. But he better not be the only one. If he is, if it's not uh, Jordan Davis, Nolan Smith, potentially Adam Anderson, if those kinds of names aren't also being discussed, and the odds are, George, in the playoff conversation, that won't be much of a discussion either. That is Around the Doghouse. We'll get Mike Griffith here coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, let me remind you about some cool things going on. My friends at SecondChance.Law are doing great work right now. And I love companies like this that provide a service that is of great need to so many people in our audience. So let me tell you about this. You know, obviously, you know, criminal conviction, things like that can really cause problems for you trying to get a job, in some cases, finding a place to live. But there are some new Georgia laws that allow for those old convictions, some of them anyway, to be restricted off your criminal history. The problem here is like a lot of stuff related to the law. It can be confusing to know if you're eligible. That's what my friends at secondchance.law are taking care of, though. They've put together an online quiz and that when you go through this online quiz you can very easily find out your eligibility and even better if you're not quite eligible as of yet secondchance.law can help you find out how you can become eligible that's really the hard work they're doing to do great service for people who want better career opportunities or you know living opportunities or all kinds of things that, that can be impacted by what your criminal history may or may not be this is what secondchance.law exists to help one of the partners is a double dog that means two-time graduate of uga former redco long-time listener of dog nation daily so these are good dog people to do business with so please visit this website today it's secondchance.law that's secondchance.law they can really help you uh, as they have for already i've heard testimonials so many of the folks here at our audience and they've only been with us for a short time but it seems like they're already having an impact and so that's a, a cool thing to be able to hear and i'm really glad about that all right let me also just briefly mention this before you get mike griffith tough night last night for the diamond dogs after making i believe first appearance of the season in the Baseball America Top 25, there's like seven baseball polls. Uh, I think Georgia made its first appearance in the Baseball America poll this week after taking three straight SEC series. Did drop the uh, inter interstate rival intrastate rivalry game last night. Clean old-fashioned hate the baseball version of that. Two tech there at Foley Field. These teams will get back together next month in Atlanta. You know, last year you had like the confined weekend series for Georgia and Georgia Tech. They're doing it back the more traditional way here this year. So Georgia does lose to Tech last night, and we'll look forward to getting some revenge here coming up in the month of May on all of that. All right. So thank you for being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort today. I do want to keep the conversation going about what may happen in the NFL draft on Thursday and kind of how all. All these Georgia guys kind of factor into all this discussion. Let's get ready to do that here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris, with our buddy Mike Griffith, and glad to have you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And Mike, over the course of the last couple of days on this show, we've talked a lot about Aziz Ojolari. And obviously, as I told our audience, it's a great commercial for UGA. If Aziz truly is drafting the first round on Thursday, you get the sense that it's more likely than not that happens. He seems to show up more often than not in the mock drafts that I'm looking at, but he does not show up in them all. So I would say that Ojolari is one of the real swing players in this draft in terms of is he drafted in those like mid-20s, which obviously gives him a chance to be there on Thursday night. Does he slip into the 30s, which you know potentially pushes him to the second round on Friday? The fate of Ojolari starting tomorrow night is certainly going to be pretty interesting, is it not? Yeah, I think uh, he's the first round pick, and Georgia needs one to pan out after, you know, DeAndre Baker was a bust. Uh, Isaiah Wilson, what a sad tragedy that is. And 
and people asking questions about the Georgia football culture. Now, that, that shouldn't happen. I mean, that's just a couple of guys. But you can understand that, you know, people stereotype. They go, oh, what's going on there? DeAndre Baker, Isaiah Wilson? Uh, now, Aziz Ajalari is a guy with a lot of character to match the ability and the upside. Uh, you know, if Aziz doesn't play, they don't beat Cincinnati. I mean, they don't beat Cincinnati with Aziz, without Aziz Ajalari. I mean, that play he made the start of the fourth quarter forcing the fumble. It's just a one-man wrecking force. Three out of the team's eight sacks in that football game. And, and really admired Aziz for playing in that game when a lot of other guys uh, opted out. Yeah, I think the one thing that you and I may be a little bit different on is my assumption is that if you have guys not get taken in the first round, that's a little bit of a ding on your program. But if you have guys who do get taken and things don't quite work out for them when they get there, I don't think that comes back to haunt Georgia very much. I mean, to be just frankly, just bottom line here, uh, at least Georgia got him paid. In the case you mentioned DeAndre Baker, that's a guy who, when I think Georgia offered him, he had no other scholarship offers at all, became a Thorpe Award winner. You know, when Isaiah Wilson arrived at Georgia in 2017, by his own admission, he wasn't ready to play yet. He had to kind of sit and watch and get in better physical condition. And when it's all said and done, you know, he's drafting the first round with the Tennessee Titans. Whatever he does with his money after that, his business, but his time at Georgia got him paid. And so, therefore, I, I assume that Georgia does not get any kind of negative blowback for whatever, you know, allegedly might have happened with a Baker, uh, you know, in his you know pro career or obviously what's playing out before our eyes with Isaiah Wilson as tragic from a football sporting sense as it is. I don't think there's any kind of blowback to Georgia for that. Well, sure there is. It gets used against them in recruiting. Uh, it's one of the things that other schools bring up. Um, you know, these are highly identifiable guys that have had off-the-field issues. And you know how these programs work. Uh, they use anything and everything they can against one another. I mean, don't you think it hurts LSU right now that uh, Jairus Goose is being taken out of their record books because of off-field sexual misconduct four years ago? I mean, no. we all look at LSU and we go, oh, my gosh, what's going on down there? I don't think that well, hurts. Four years ago. I don't think I don't, I don't think that hurts LSU's current recruiting. I think if you don't put in, uh, if you want to use uh, Darius Geis as a for instance, if you're not putting running backs in the NFL, that probably hurts your recruiting. Uh, listen, teams try whatever negative recruiting they want, Mike, but I think some things stick more than others, and I think it's the inability to produce draft picks that probably stick to a program more so than what happens to those guys once they get to the NFL. And, and frankly, you know, some of the I guess the Baker stuff here is even pretty cloudy as to whatever what, what might actually even happen with him. Yeah. Well, they use everything, like you said. Everything's taken under consideration. Um, you know, certainly to your point, it's about putting guys in the NFL. It's about developing them as NFL players. But you also hear Kirby Smart talk about how it's developing them as men and people that are capable in the community. And, um, you know, I guess we could go back and forth all day, but I, I know that recruits that I've spoken to and, you know, teams that I've covered in the past, that when, when programs have off-field issues, or when there's guys in the NFL who aren't panning out for whatever reason, uh, it's just one more uh, tool in the tool belt for that other school to say, hey, you don't see that happening with players from so-and-so. Now, as far as this year, I don't think that's going to affect Aziz Ajilari, and, and that's kind of the point I was trying to make. I think Aziz Ajilari is a high-character guy. Uh, he's the first-ever freshman that Kirby Smart appointed as a team captain. You remember that against Tennessee. Uh, carried himself with great dignity, hard work, no nonsense. I think he's exactly what Georgia wants representing himself in the NFL. Uh, a local uh, kid from the Atlanta area, stayed home, and as I said, played in the bowl game with his brothers, finished the season out on a high note, and nothing but good news there for Aziz Ajilari. And, and, and a guy that I think you know really kind of sets the table for what I believe will be a more productive Georgia class then a lot of these analysts are giving them credit for. You know, you take a look, and, uh, you know, there's not a lot of high-profile draft picks outside of Aziz. B.A., the guy I, I just can't believe looks like he's going to slip out of the first round. How does Eric Stokes get out of the first round talking about good character guys that developed and stayed home? Man, I love me some Eric Stokes. I think he's going to be a great pick for somebody. Well, Tom Pelissera from NFL.com has said within the last 24 hours that Stokes and Campbell both are potential guys who could actually surprise and make it their way back into the first round. Uh, Ian Rappaport also mentioned uh, Tyson Campbell in a situation like that. It sounds like Campbell may have a slight edge over Stokes just on the basis of what some of the pre-draft chatter is, which either is either is or isn't 
uh, accurate here, but it certainly doesn't sound like for Stokes or Campbell, either one, that it's a closed door. They are probably a little bit like what I kind of view Ojolari to be, kind of a swing player in that if circumstances fall right, either or both could swing into the first round. And if circumstances fall right, I guess could swing the other direction back towards the second round there as well. Well, the reason I like Stokes a lot more is is that you know he's only three or four yards into playing cornerback, and I know they talk about his ball skills, but I mean, look, as great of a story as Eric Stokes has been, and I think he is one of the absolute best success stories for Kirby Smart. You know, he was the lowest rated of that 2017 class, and that was an amazing class. So there's no shame in that. But to go from being the lowest rated guy to running a 4-2-5-40 and getting two pick sixes, including one against Florida this year, what could have, should have been. Um, you know, I, I just think he's done a tremendous job. And to know Eric Stokes and talk to Eric Stokes, uh, I mean, just a great representative for Georgia. Tyson Campbell, on the other hand, you know, his career Georgia is largely forgettable. I mean, this is a guy that came in as a five-star from South Florida. He was essentially given the starting job at the corner, uh, had some bust early in his freshman year got injured, Stokes came in and outplayed him, uh, and then, uh, you know, what has Campbell really done? I, I just, he hasn't had a difference-making career at Georgia. Uh, got beat a couple times. Uh, might say, well, he was in position, but he was getting beat by Tennessee, he was getting beat by Florida. Uh, I just, it, maybe this is a guy that turns out to be a better NFL than college player, but Tyson Campbell never really lived up to his status at Georgia. I don't think he ever made all-conference, and I can't think of a game-changing play that he made, um, maybe since returning a fumble against Missouri, but it wasn't the stopper that we thought he would be. Looks great in a uniform, uh, tall, strong, long arms, runs fast, but as far as making plays at Georgia, there was really no oil-painting moments for Tyson Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I think my you know thing with Campbell is, to my eyes, at the beginning of the 2019 season, I think he clearly looked improved over where he had been a year ago, but I think it was turf toe. He just dealt with that injury such a long time in uh, 2019. And I think, you know, part of what you didn't get to see from Campbell at Georgia was on the basis of the fact that uh, I just think he spent most of 2019 dealing with an injury that just lingered really all the way through the end of the year. I mean, uh, LSU game, SEC championship, Georgia was playing with seven defensive backs for a good portion of that game. And, you know, Campbell just wasn't healthy enough to be out there. Even with all those defensive backs out there, you know, Campbell just wasn't quite healthy enough to do it. I would have certainly liked to have seen what Tyson could have done in a uh, healthier 2019 for him because he certainly dealt with injury there just for the entirety of the season, really, from before Notre Dame all the way through the end of the year. You know, it just seemed like Tyson just stayed kind of banged up there. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen what he would have done in 2021. This is a guy that really could have benefited from coming back. Um, I believe could have made himself a first-round pick, improved his ball skills, uh, been the unquestioned go-to guy, been a leader in the secondary instead of such a question mark. And I mean, time will tell. He's got agents. He's got people around him. Again, there's a lot that goes into these decisions beyond what draft stock is. I mean, sometimes kids are just ready to move on. They, they don't like going to school. They don't like all the hoops you've got to jump through. It is tough being a student athlete. Let me tell you, that is not an easy ride. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who, again, I think will get better. I think an NFL team will make use of him. Maybe at Georgia you can dictate where you play, recruiting promises, but in the NFL they're going to tell you where you're going to play or they're going to cut you. And it'll be interesting to see where Tyson Campbell ends up. I'm not sure he's a corner in the NFL. Maybe a safety or even a nickel. What are the other draft names that are interesting to you as we, you know, kind of head towards Thursday? And obviously for a lot of these Georgia guys, it's about – about what happens beyond Thursday. Who else is of interest to you as we head towards the draft? Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I, uh, last year, I want, to, I want to reflect back. Every now and then I, I need to remind myself I'm right about some things and pat myself on the back. But last year, Solomon Kinley was my favorite of the line, even more than Andrew Thomas. I know Andrew was a first-rounder. Let me tell you, Solomon Kinley took the bull by the horns, and the Dolphins recently got rid of Eric Flowers. I don't know if you saw that. But it's because Solomon Kinley has turned into an absolute man-eater in the NFL, and I'm proud of Solomon, and he has the look of a long-time uh, NFL offensive lineman to me. I loved his attitude at Georgia and the humbleness. Ben um, Cleveland's got that look. Yeah, I bring Solomon Kinley up as a guard because we always talk about tackles. They always go high. They get the big names and the big contract. But I like Ben Cleveland, too. And something that Jim Nagy said to me, and we use Jim Nagy a lot at Dog Nation. I think people know that. Uh, Doug Nixon has a very good relationship with Jim Nagy, the senior bowl executive director, 
a guy that was on the uh, New England Patriots, Seattle Seahawks, Green Bay Packers staff, is a scout when all those programs won Super Bowls. Uh, and Jim said something very intriguing about Ben Cleveland. He said, you know, that 40 time, you wouldn't think it would really mean much for offensive linemen because, after all, how often do they really run 40 yards in play? But it has been a pretty good gauge of the length of linemen's careers. The big guys that can move, the big guys that are athletic have longer careers. Ben Cleveland was a pretty good baseball player back in the day. Ben Cleveland ran that 40 time. I still can't believe. He ran that. That's only a tick slower than Richard LeCount, you know. I mean, he's right on Richard's heels if they're running a race. Ben Cleveland at 300, what, 54 pounds? Ran like a 4.8540? I think that turns some heads. Now, there's only certain teams that Ben's going to fit with. He's a downhill guy, and some teams want to get a little bit more horizontal and play in space. But somebody's going to like Ben Cleveland, and I think he's going to go a little bit earlier than projected. You know, Ben, to me, is an example of what college football is now, which is, the offensive line position, Mike, is just an athletic position now. It used to be one of those things of, well, you know, you, you put your big guy that's not quite quick enough to be a defensive lineman, you just put him on the offensive line. That's just kind of the way that maybe football was at one point in time. But with some of the guys that George is recruiting now and what I think that Cleveland's profile is as a guy who's obviously huge but does not carry a lot of extra weight, you know, looks good with the shirt off, things along those lines, um, it's just become more of an athlete's position now. Really, there's no – you know, position on the field that's not seeking athleticism now. And, you know, I think Cleveland is a little bit of an example of the modern offensive lineman where you're just asking those guys, even the big behemoths, you're just asking them to be a little bit more athletic than you would have maybe even a couple of years ago. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, that Nagy said he really liked, he said there's really a trend now. I mean, for a while they were going with the smaller, quicker guys, but they want a bigger guy in the middle so that the pocket doesn't get pushed back. And if you want to know what we mean by that, just go watch the G-Day game and, and look at how the, the Georgia defensive line pushed the Georgia interior offensive line into JT Daniels' face mask all day. That's what you don't want because that it races passing lanes and clutters the view for quarterbacks as they try to get through their progression. So I like Ben Cleveland a lot. I'm curious, uh, curious about Trey McKitty. This is a guy that had a great senior bowl week, another guy that unfortunately didn't do much at Georgia. Had that knee injury in the preseason, only made six catches. Um, he didn't really get everything out of Trey McKitty that I think maybe you could have, should have. Uh, but this is a guy that NFL teams like a lot. Mark Rick was very high on him when I talked to Mark Rick about him. This was a guy Rick tried to recruit down at Miami before Florida State got him. I think Trey McKitty could turn into a decent tight end in the NFL. I think he'll go a little bit higher. Monty Rice, uh, intriguing to me, and Richard LeCount. These are two guys with medicals that you got to wonder a little bit about. You know, somebody needs to roll the dice. Monty was often injured uh, throughout his career at Georgia. You know, you remember that first year in 2018, he wasn't around for the SEC championship game. I believe if Monty Rice plays in the 2018 SEC championship game, they beat Alabama. Uh, but Monty was injured. You remember he got hurt in warm-ups. Uh, I want to say it was his Achilles or something happened when he was warming up. He was a captain that game. And uh, he got hurt in warm-ups and wasn't quite the same. He hit very good 2019, anchored a very good defense, but 2020 injuries of foot, the week of the Alabama game, was never really the same. Uh, did run a sub-4-640. Also showed some really good pass coverage skills. Really went a long way towards answering questions that NFL teams had in pass coverage. It's all going to come down to the medical, to me. If Monty's foot passes the test and people feel good about it, I think he's a guy that could go in the third and fourth round and, and turn into a serviceable NFL guy that gets a second contract. Uh, you know, Richard LeCount is just a, a, a draft stock tragedy. Uh, I saw today he's ranked 15th by Mel Kuyper at safety. Listen, there was a time Richard LeCount was a late first-round pick. That motorcycle accident, uh, horrible. Uh, beyond the medical and the questions it asks, every NFL team asks Richard about his judgment. What are you doing on a motorcycle in the middle of the season at dusk with no lights on it? That's not good. Uh, we don't bring it up and we don't drone on about it because no one enjoys talking about it. But in this forum, talking about the NFL draft and what these teams are looking at, that absolutely matters, and it does affect his draft stock. So I think somebody's going to get a really good deal with Richard LeCount. Uh, that's good for them, but bad for Richard. I think Richard is a guy that has uh, you know first or second round NFL talent, but he'll go much lower because of the questions that are asked around the motorcycle accident. If Richard LeCount makes a full recovery, though, I think he'll enjoy a long career 
uh, and have quite a testimony to tell to future players. I want to ask you about one more thing before I let you go. Before that, though, let me remind folks, Pella Window and Door of George can help equip your house with energy-efficient windows and doors. Makes your house feel better on the inside. That energy stays where it's supposed to be. Look better on the outside, better curb appeal, things along those lines. Also, Pella's a nationally known company, which means you get unparalleled resources, but a locally family-owned branch right here in Georgia, which means you get unrivaled service. All the things that Pella Window and Door can provide for you, including great savings right now, about 10% off your entire project, or 0% APR for 24 months. Big savings there. A couple of ways for you to get in touch. If you see them on video, you can see this for yourself. I'll read it for everybody else. 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or the website, PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. That's PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Be sure to tell them the folks at Dog Nation Daily sent you and that we said they would take good care of you because I know that is what they'll do. All right, Mike, before we let you go, I want to bring you into a conversation I was having just briefly before you joined us. This is something I've talked about a little bit the last couple of days that one way or another it still sort of appears that this draft is not going to be that just jailbreak floodgates opening of huge numbers of first round picks for Georgia here you know Bama as a comparison is going to probably have four players taking the top 15 they may have five first round picks six maybe even a possibility here and that's just what national champions do right now they have multiples upon multiples of first round picks and so as you look ahead of the 2022 draft, just briefly, with some of the guys who are there, certainly plenty of possibilities for that. But, Mike, you know, this is the thing for me that needs to happen because I do think this runs very closely parallel to your on field championship level success. It's also the kind of thing that keeps the recruiting pipeline kind of moving there as well. Admittedly, and I said this a year ago, I'm saying it again right now. This is still one of those final frontiers for Kirby Smart at Georgia where you produce just gobs of first-round picks. The very best teams in the country are doing that. Uh, other than, you know, you know, last year you had the two first-round offensive linemen, but other than that, you know, Georgia's not just producing these huge number of first-rounders yet, and that is something, Mike, I do believe needs to change. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree, B.A., and, and I think it's, you know, chicken-egg. You know, you, you win championships when you have first-rounders, right? Georgia hasn't had enough first-rounders to win championships. They did in 2017. It was very close. We don't need to relive that one again. Uh, but next year, you're right. Uh, you know, you said just a few minutes. I don't know if we can cover 2022 NFL draft in just a few minutes. It's kind of ridiculous. I, I went through the numbers the other day, and I, I see 20 draft-eligible guys. Uh, you know, I don't think they're all going pro early as far as juniors, but when we talk about first-round guys next year, and I know Connor Riley had a story up about uh, George Pickens, and we talked about that. I, I do think George is a first-round guy if he passes the medical, uh, which I assume that he will before he uh, decides whether he goes pro or not, which I also assume he will. If JT Daniels has the sort of season that I think he's going to have, he could also be a first-round pick. Um, I mean, this is a guy that makes all the throws. I don't need to sell him on this program. I, I look at Adam Anderson. I look at Nolan Smith. I look at N'Kobe Dean. Uh, I look at Lewis Seen. Um, these are guys that I think could be first-round picks. Uh, you know, tight end, and now I don't think John Fitzpatrick is a first-round pick, but I think he'll be a draft pick. Uh, Darnell Washington's not draft eligible yet. Uh, Jamari Salyer, now that's interesting. He's a guard. Guards typically don't go in the first round, but I think he's an NFL player for sure. I don't think anybody would argue that. Justin Schaefer, maybe. There's a reason Justin came back. That was a good decision. You're sitting there wondering when I'm going to mention Jordan Davis probably. I think he's a slam dunk first-round pick. Maybe Devontae White as well. And let's just throw in Trayvon Walker while we're at it. So to your point, uh, those are guys that have the potential to be that pivotal class that you're talking about, that class that produces four or five guys in the first round. And you go, well, of course they won the national title, right? I think that could happen for Georgia this year. This could be the year I went back just for fun to read some preseason stories about 2019 LSU and what people were saying. And I'm going to tell you, it sounded a lot like what we're talking about with Georgia. Joe Burrow had gotten some experience in his first year as a transfer, a team that was dedicated to working out together in the summer. Uh, now, they did have a better receiving core. Uh, part of that's Georgia's injuries right now. But Georgia has enough other weapons at tight end and running back to be excited and a defense with some playmakers. Now, the defense didn't look good statistically because they ran a lot of offense. And I think that's what's going to happen with this team, too. I think they'll be darn good against the run. But Georgia will probably give up more points than you would think for the number of first-round picks we just discussed. So I like what I'm seeing. 
I think your point is, is right on the dot. I think it's absolutely true that this needs to be, and when I say 2022, that needs to be that pivotal class, like you said, that uh, frontier that Kirby Smart hasn't traveled through, I think that needs to be it, Brandon. Yeah, so we'll certainly see how that plays out, Mike. Thank you for being here. And I know you've got a lot of draft coverage coming up in the next couple of days at dognation.com. We'll look forward to reading that. And, of course, talking to you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort again very soon as well. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's obviously a big swing year. When you look at some of those, as Mike was talking about there, draft eligible players I mean you know there are a lot of guys who could be first round picks but the number of guys who you know it's, it's one thing there's a gazillion mock drafts on the internet you can probably find one to say everybody's first round pick but in terms of those surefire first rounders I would say that there are probably not enough of those yet to really feel comfortable with exactly what you're going to get from UGA but there are plenty of people who have a chance to kind of show up and show out in that kind of manner and it is just so closely aligned right now. The national championship teams also are very busy on draft night. You know, not, not all sports are that way. You know, I'll use the comparison of Kentucky basketball for a moment. How many guys does Kentucky have who are just dominating in the NBA, and yet on the court, what did Kentucky have to show for them? We're in an era right now in which NBA draft success and NCAA tournament success are not that closely aligned, whereas college football, thankfully, it's still kind of is a little bit more, you know, on parallel tracks with all of that. So we're just kind of worth paying attention to there just a little bit. Something else I want to make sure you're paying attention to, go to dognation.com if you have it to find out more details about our Kroger five-star mom giveaway where we're going to be honoring some five-star moms in our audience. And I've been lucky enough, I've had a couple of these shared with me, stories that you all are telling about the moms in your life. It is so refreshing to hear about this. Obviously, I, you know, family means the world to me and I'm obviously, you know, close and you know very proud of my own mom and to hear so many of you who feel the same way about yours or watching from that kind of front row seat for what your wife is doing as a mother to your own children, which uh, clearly, you know, we have, you know, all, all kinds of emotion around all of that. It's just great to see those stories. And if you haven't had a chance to tell yours yet, please go to dognation.com, find out how you can. When you're ready to submit your entry, you can do so by email info at dognation.com. That is the email address, info at dognation.com. That is the email address for that. We're going to announce five Kroger five-star moms here on Dog Nation Daily coming up on a future episode as we head towards Mother's Day. And our winners, it's a really great prize pack. It includes a $50 Kroger gift card, a $50 Bath and Body Works gift card, and a $50 Home Chef gift card. So there's a lot going on with all this. It's our Kroger five-star moms giveaway. Uh, Please find out more about that at dognation.com. All right, let's talk about this. This is one of those things that Maybe this is more interesting to me than it is to you. I hope it's not. I'm always fascinated by Lane Kiffin. But the thing that fascinates me about Kiffin is not Kiffin himself. It's the reaction to Lane Kiffin. Everybody just seems to love Lane Kiffin because he seems to be kind of a, you know, sort of made for viral content type coach. He's a content machine. Latest example of this is he's out there talking about uh, we're going to play one-on-one basketball against Dabo Sweeney. And Dabo says what he says and Lane says what he says and the whole internet gets to kind of laugh at this, and it's just all kind of funny, and it's kind of cute and all that kind of stuff. But I've always had this belief that behind all like the viral content that Lane Kiffin is responsible for producing, there's some actual nuts and bolts stuff as a coach that has always made me a little suspicious. I think because Kiffin is such a gift to the content guides that he kind of gets a free pass on some fairly weird behavior during his time as a college football coach. The latest example of this coming out of Ole Miss. And listen, you could be a fairly plugged-in SEC fan and not really know all that much about the story I'm about to tell you because the fact of the matter is Ole Miss is a little bit of a remote outpost within the SEC. But here we are just a couple of days after the Ole Miss spring game. And it was announced, I think it was yesterday this came out, uh, that Ole Miss has parted ways, Lane Kiffin himself has parted ways with offensive line coach Randy Clements. Just like I mean, Clements coaching the spring game, here we are, it's a Wednesday, and we're talking about him being fired as Ole Miss offensive line coach. And this is one of those things that in Oxford, if you read message boards, things like that, for the most part, Ole Miss fans kind of shrug it off because they like Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin has brought some relevance to their program, so their general belief is, well, Kiffin can do whatever he wants to do here. Who really cares about an offensive line coach anyway? But the local media in Oxford is not necessarily treating this as a, hey, nothing, no big deal, nothing to see here. This has been a little bit of an eye-opening response from some of the Oxford media 
who I think generally view, and you know, to the folks who kind of are aware of the name of Clements, I think he's generally viewed to be a kind of a coach on the rise, successful offensive line coach, a quality, competent person to have there in that role for you. And no one that I've read down there locally connected to the story seems to think that Clements has done anything from like a off-field behavior type standpoint. Frankly, they don't recruit right now offensive linemen of a high enough recruiting stature that it'd be kind of NCAA improprieties. This just seems to be one of those deals where Lane Kevin decided, you know, I'm just going to get rid of this guy. Now, what makes this slightly more interesting is, is that for the last 11 years prior to coming to Ole Miss, that Clements, the offensive line coach, had worked with Jeff Lebby, who was, who is Ole Miss's offensive coordinator. Lebby is also kind of thought to be one of these kind of coaches on the rise, someone who's going to be a candidate for big jobs in the future. Lebby's a respected name, and it's kind of openly speculated here that Lebby may not be happy about his guy Clements being fired by Lane Kiffin which is all sort of fine and good as long as Kiffin wins as much as he's supposed to. But this kind of behavior is the is a weird precursor into a season where you're supposed to be making some noise in the SEC West, sort of randomly pulling the trigger to fire an offensive line coach this late in the spring. This is not what stable coaches do. It feels a lot like what Jeremy Pruitt did last year during the season, firing his defensive line coach. At the time, we said, hey, listen, if all is right in your world, you're not firing a coach like this in a knee-jerk reaction after a game. Certainly this in spring kind of feels like not quite the time to do that. So maybe you don't care, and I guess you have reason not to. But what has gone on here at Ole Miss is kind of weird. And I don't know, man. Lane Kiffin seems to just find a way to be kind of forgiven for everything because he's out there challenging coaches to one-on-one basketball games or you know goofing off with Mike Leach or whatever else. But behind the scenes, some of the stuff that Kiffin does is, is just a little bit strange all the way around. Let me do this real quick. So I saw where Alabama coach Nick Saban has kind of come out against the expansion of the college football playoff. He likes the four-team playoff. He wants the bowls to be able to work with the four-team playoff. He does not want to make any changes. I'll just very briefly say here, this should not be a surprise. By now, we know that coaches always argue what they view to be in their best interest in that moment. They essentially all have lizard brains. You know, All they have a tendency to think about is whatever they want in this precise moment. Case in point is, Lane, uh, is Dan Mullen, after having used the transfer portal over and over again as Florida coach the other day, kind of came out against the transfer portal because that's just what he felt like doing at that particular time that's the argument that benefited him in that particular moment so just given the way that Alabama has had a stranglehold over the 14 playoff they made it in without winning the SEC in 2017 they've won their share of national championships going back to its institution in 2014 obviously Nick Saban doesn't want expanded playoffs because that threatens the Alabama dynasty which may be enough of a reason the rest of us should be in favor of it because it does I believe level the playing field against the established brands like Bama Ohio State and teams like that so Nick Saban does not want playoff expansion that's all I need to know to let me know that I probably do want it we'll make that your SEC through and as we wrap up here today let's do so Gator Hater roll call always love seeing the Gator Haters in the audience here today and uh, let's do our golden shoe winner as a way of honoring one of those people right now of course that's given out for (laughs) for great gator hating feats. Our buddy Mad Dog appears back here in the winner's circle again. First time in a while for Mad Dog, I believe, but he's back. Emery Jones there, the photo of him, you know, throwing the uh, golden shoe uh, or just throwing a shoe all the way around. Uh, so good good little edit there from Mad Dog. The golden shoe showing back up there in Florida again. And, yeah, we're going to keep having some fun with that at those lousy, stinking gators' expense. So our buddy Mad Dog steps up to the plate. He is a golden shoe winner once again. By the way, speaking of Florida, how about a Gator Hater countdown? Georgia's going back to Jacksonville 185 days from right now. And they, we think, get some revenge against Florida and get a big win to boot. All should be fun. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We're going to be pretty quick today because we've got a lot of stuff we have to do. So I don't want to take up too much of any of your time as well. I will just remind you. Also, I had a little bit of an issue with my comment. The, the honest truth is, <laughs> I had a little bit of an issue with my comment section there at dognation.com. So I'll try to figure that out where that is and I get back to those tomorrow. Let me just instead read a tweet before I do that. Find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. As I've told you before, the R.S. stands for rapid service. Make sure you find them today. Uh, Phil McKinney uh, writes an interesting tweet to say that 
other than Patrick Sertang, you don't see many juniors in Alabama's draft class. They usually stay for four years, develop, and then go to the in the first round. And I will say that is one of the things that Alabama has been very good at. They have convinced juniors who are not obvious first round picks to stay. And in some cases, the ones who've stayed have been rewarded for doing so. They don't have a lot of juniors leaving to go be fourth-round picks, for instance, or second- or third-round picks. They have juniors that leave to become first-round picks, and other guys stay. And, you know, maybe in the case of Najee Harris, maybe you work your way to the first round because you did so. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work out that way. Alex Leatherwood may not be a first-round pick. But Bama has been good at convincing players to stay better than Georgia has been. It would certainly stand to reason. And I don't 100% know the answer to that. Like, one of the theories that I've put out there in the past is, is that within the category of five-star recruits, there's almost like a five-star among the five-stars. For instance, I've used this example before. Patrick Sertain and Tyson Campbell were high school teammates at American Heritage High School, and they were both five-star recruits, and they were both kind of viewed as, as a five-star would be, a potential future first-round pick. But I think most people would have said, well, Sertain was the slightly more polished of the two there as a player at American Heritage, and he's kind of gone on to have a better career there at Alabama, too. It was just always the kind of slightly more of a sure thing, both in that five-star category, but Sertain was just the kind of guy who was just kind of more game ready to begin with, which is not to say anything negative about Tyson Campbell, who I think has had a really good career at Georgia, and I think he's put himself in a terrific draft position, and I think he stands as a fairly strong testament to what can happen for you if you choose UGA. But he's probably not been in the same caliber of Patrick Sertain during his career. And so part of me wonders is the guys that Alabama's getting, if more often than not, they're not a little bit like Sertain. In the category of five stars, they have also separated themselves from within that population. And that's why you see guys who stick around for senior years or only leave when they're surefire first round picks, because that's just the kind of even more rarefied recruiting air that Alabama's breathing in, or if it's something that's different that's going on. But when you have these kinds of discussions, you do, I think, unfortunately, have to have to to acknowledge the fact that Bama has been good at convincing guys to stay and their hit rate on turning five stars into first round picks is truly very high you you have to acknowledge that and I don't think you have to look too far to figure out you know why it is then they've been able to enjoy as much on-field success as they have because they have turned these elite recruits into top tier draft picks and as I said with Mike during the regular show whatever happens after that's the I would say, the individual responsibility of the player himself. But it's the job of the program to get them to that paycheck, and then after that, what they do with the money is their own business. But Alabama has indeed been really good at that. All right, we'll have more of our R.S. Andrews cooldown back here tomorrow. Of course, thank you for being a part of our uh, show here today, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Your continued support of our podcast means the world to me, so I say thank you for it, and I look forward to talking to you again tomorrow.